Welcome to the podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message brings you hope and encouragement. If you want to share what God has done for you, you can email us at saw at rttnchurch.com. That's S-A-W at rttnchurch.com. SAW stands for Signs and Wonders. And what better way to display God's power than through your testimony? Let's get right into the message. We've been in a series called Radar, and um, we're going to talk about relationships today. So I want the people to lock the doors, hold the babies hostage, don't let anybody run out, because sometimes we start hearing things that are prophetically assigned to our heart, and it makes us uncomfortable because it's right where we are. So today I come uh, as a pastor and a shepherd praying that God would give me the grace and the revelation and the ability to teach what I believe God wants to say because I believe this issue of relationships in our life is one of the most critical. It may not seem to people who are really consumed and passionate about revival to be an important thing, but how many know there is nothing that can jack your life up like a bad relationship? So we want to talk about that today. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 9. When you got it, say amen. amen. Two are better than one. How many agree with that? Amen. Two are better than one. I agree with that. It just depends on who the other one is. <laughs> Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone, or she, who is alone when they fall. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Two are better than one. Today we want to talk about radar, recognizing and, to, and discerning associations and relationships. Amen. Recognizing and discerning associations and relationships. How many need God to speak to your heart and give you wisdom today regarding relationships? If you do, lift both hands to heaven right now. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. James says if we ask God for wisdom, he will give it to us. Let's ask him for it right now. Father, you are wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. And so today we ask for wisdom in our hearts and minds. In areas, Father God, when we, where we have been deficient in discerning relationships and associations, would you please help us today? I pray you would give us a keen awareness, Lord God of the kind of relationships you are bringing into our life. Would you help me today to articulate, even in difficult moments, the truth of your word in the love of God so that people who are bound or even locked up in relationships that are taking them nowhere, we pray, God, today that you would give us the grace to break out of that, break free from that, and move forward in the grace of God. Now, God, we give you our hearts today, Lord. May our hearts be able to believe. May our ears be able to receive. And may our eyes be able to perceive what you are doing in our life. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're in a series on developing and understanding the radar in our hearts. God gave us the ability to know, to understand, to discern. 
And as we have said throughout this series, that the spiritual radar God has given us must be sharpened and developed. How many believe that today? One of the areas of our lives in which we need a for real radar is in the area of relationships. We all need relationships. God created us to be relational individuals. We are created first and foremost to have a, um, an amazing relationship with God. How many believe that our relationship with God is the most important relationship that we can steward in a lifetime? If your relationship with God is suffering, then it probably means other relationships in your life are suffering. Our relationship with God is to be first and foremost. It is to be priority and have the preeminent value above all other things. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else you need in life will be added to you. If you don't seek God first and his kingdom first, then everything else in life gets out of whack. The most important relationship you have is with God, and when that is messed up, when that is marred, when that is tore apart, everything else in life is torn apart. And how many know that you can have an amazing relationship with God? Come on, that's why Jesus came, amen? Jesus came so that he could redeem you back to God. You and I were separated from God by our sin and, and, and we were forever separated from him with no hope of redemption until Jesus came to Calvary. And because Jesus bore his cross, watch this, one element of the cross is a vertical beam that Jesus hung on and that vertical beam restored you and I, fallen man and woman, separated from God. That vertical beam represents the redemption that we have between us and God. The blood of Jesus has purchased us and we can now have an amazing relationship with our Heavenly Father. How many believe that's the gospel and that's good news today? But I want to tell you that the cross was not only a vertical beam of wood, it was a horizontal beam of wood. Because God not only sent Jesus to redeem us back to him, God sent Jesus to redeem our relationships with each other. Dysfunction in the body of Christ hinders corporate glory and anointing from being manifested. And many times people say things like, I don't have a problem with God. It's only his children I have a problem with. I want to tell you right now, his children are his family. You and I are the family of God. And God not only sent Jesus so that we could have a right relationship with him, but he sent Jesus so we could have whole relationships with each other. Some people have no problem with God. It's his children they have a problem with. The challenge, the frustrations, even the problems that we have with people can never be used as an excuse to not live in healthy, godly relationships. Amen. I'm going to say it one more time. The challenges that we have with people, the frustrate, have they ever been frustrated with people this morning? The challenges, the frustrations, the problems you and I have with people are never to be used as an excuse to not have godly, wholesome relationships with other people. 
God wants to redeem those things in our life. And even if there are relationships that are marred and dysfunctional, how many know that the cross of Jesus is the way for us to see wholeness and healing come to broken relationships? If you believe that, say amen. It is clear from Scripture God created us to be relational people. Life was never intended to be experienced and lived in a vacuum of isolation. There is a God-placed territory in each of our hearts that cries out for relationship. The intention of God was for us to flourish as we experience proper godly relationships. So let me say this to you. The desire for healthy relationships is appropriate. In fact, that is the will of God for our lives to be connected with people. Making the right associations and developing godly relationships is essential for your future. In fact, when God gets ready to promote you, bless you, open a door for you, and allow you to do something in a sphere of influence you've never done before, how many recognize that many times God will use a person to do it? So before you go criticizing, hating on, talking about disconnecting and ticking everybody in your life off, consider, please, you may need them for the next season of your life. God may use somebody to catapult you into greater things, and it usually comes by being connected to a new relationship or a new person. You are one person away from the very thing you've been praying for happening in your life. Now you say, Pastor, God can do it all by himself. He's God and he don't need nobody's help. Yes and amen, but in the economy of God, he has chosen to use relationships. Come on, the woman who had a debt to pay and she could not pay the debt and they had, she had two sons and the Bible said in Kings that the creditors were on their way to take her sons and she went to her neighbors and she said to her neighbors, can I borrow an empty jar? There's some oil flowing in my house. And as long as I got room, the oil will flow. Can you imagine? The woman got all these empty pots, took them to our house, filled every empty pot up with oil, and pay, sold the oil and paid the bill off. Can you imagine how bad a shape she would have been in had she already ticked all of her neighbors off? Some of you have ticked off people who have vessels you need. And you need to learn how to manage relationships rather than exploding on everybody and, and, and distancing and disconnecting yourself from people who God has really sent to your life to be a blessing to you. So you and I were created for fellowship, friendship, communion, and even love. Girl. Genesis 2.18 it is not good for a man to be alone. Where's the men helping me preach in here? It is not good for a man to be alone. Amen. I'll stop right there. Two are better than one. Relationship and companionship and friendship and fellowship are a blessing from the Lord. If you're not experiencing that, there's something wrong in your relational life. I have to ask myself the question, 
If God created us to be relational, if it is the will of God for us to experience and know good relationships, then why does Satan seem to succeed so frequently in using relationships to destroy us and delay our destiny? And I think the reason Satan is able to succeed in wrecking our lives through relationships is because he knows we are wired for relationship, that God has relationships for us in mind that will sharpen and shape us into the effective man or woman that God has called and created us to be. And Satan knows that, so he does everything he can to mess with the relational aspect of our lives. And he uses our, if you're taking notes, write this down. Satan uses our relationship crave against us. There are three reasons somebody may crave a relationship. Watch this. Rejection. You, You crave a relationship because you've experienced rejection and you want somebody to receive you and embrace you. Some people crave a relationship for a rebound. And then some people, uh uh-oh, some people crave a relationship for revenge. May I suggest to you that none of those are a proper reason for you to go craving relationship. In fact, the problem is not that we have desire for relationship. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Come on, tell them, God wants you to have healthy relationships. Okay, it's not wrong to have a desire for a friend. It's not wrong to have a desire for a brother. It's not wrong to have a desire for some sister friends. It's not wrong to have a desire for business partnerships. It's not wrong to even have a desire. Listen, it's not wrong to have a desire for a spouse. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 31, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. How are you going to find something if you ain't looking for it? Nothing wrong with looking for, I need somebody to talk to me in here today. Nothing wrong with finding a spouse and looking for a spouse. Right? There's no no shame in that. The issue is not desire. Satan doesn't attack us because we have a desire. Satan attacks us when we get desperate. Desperation causes you and I to ignore the spiritual radar going off on the inside of us. Satan will use the desperation of our heart to sneak an assignment into our lives. When we get desperate or restless for a relationship, whether it is a friend, a spouse, a business partnership, no matter what kind of relationship or association it is, if we get desperate, we become aloof to the radar warnings going off on the inside. And some people even jump into a relationship because they're afraid another one will not come in their future. God, I'm setting some people free right now. This is why, this is why you should never choose a spouse out of desperation. Where are all the single people at in here? If you're single, throw your hand up. Okay, let me speak to you for about three minutes right here. Don't ever get desperate for a spouse. I said ever. You say, Pastor, that, that's just a big term, ever, never, don't, don't. No, never get married out of desperation. 
Because if you are marrying simply because you are desperate for a spouse, it probably means you are ignoring the obvious problems and the reasons why they've never been married in the first place. I'm not going to get no help in here on 9 o'clock. Listen, be careful that you jump into marriage. Make sure you do it out of mutual desire. When you get married, you ought to be in love. Well, you know, I just feel like God told me to marry her. Do you love her? No, but God, told, God didn't tell you. He would never say make a lifelong covenant with somebody you can't stand. Well, you know, she completes me. That's the problem, sir. She really doesn't. She told you she completed you and you believed it. The only one that can complete a jacked up, messed up Kevin is Jesus Christ. And if you keep running to people trying to complete you, what is that? They're as messed up as you are. Come on, look at somebody, karate chop them, tell them, wake them up, do something, tell them, I cannot complete you. I hope your spouse just told you that. Because as long as you've been married or as short as you've been married, the only person that can ever complete you is Jesus. Now, I know that young lady, sir, gives you those butterfly feelings and you got that warm, ooey-gooey chestnut roasting on the open fire feeling every time you hold her hand and walk through Rock City and y'all got it going on and you feel like you can't leave without her. Give it a couple years. You're going to find out what true love is for real. When she rolls over with dragon breath and you roll over with dragon breath in the morning and you didn't have time to get no mint and the kids are screaming and the bills are due and the trash man's coming, I'm going to tell you right now what will hold you together is not 36, 24, 36. It is I love you. I really love you. We've been through hell and high water together. Girl, I'm keeping you. If you leave me, I'm leaving with you. And all these newlyweds in here like, I don't receive that. I don't receive this. Stay married a little while. You're going to find out what true love and keeping it together is all about. Anybody in here married, been married more than 20 years and you can testify that God had to hold you together? Come on, somebody. It was love, real love. When I got married to her, I felt it all the way down to my feet. From the top of my head to the bottom of my When she come walking down the hill on that mountainside that day I got married, she come walking down the hill, I almost fell off the side of the mountain. <laughs> but the reality of it is that feeling, it comes sometimes. How many are thankful when the feelings come? Just look at you that certain ways. Girl, don't. But how many know that feelings aren't always accompanying the covenant? True love is not based on a feeling. True love is based on a commitment and a covenant. And if you got married out of desperation, chances are you didn't have the foundation of commitment necessary to sustain that thing when hell tries to pull you apart. So don't get desperate for a spouse. I promise you, if you'll wait with integrity, God will send that person to you in the right time. 
But there is nothing more frustrating, and it is the saddest thing I work through as a pastor to see people go through divorce. And I'm grateful that over the years there have not been, 15 years, there have not been many, many, many divorces. There have been some divorces. But every single one of them, without exception, I remember because they are painful. They are hurtful. And many times, it's like, I'd never forget this. The first person I married, the first couple I ever married, I was 23 years old. I thought pastors married everybody. Actually, I was 21. We had just been married about six months. I'm an associate pastor, and this couple comes to me, and they're like, we ready to get married. Now, he's 30 years old. She's 45. Now, ain't nothing wrong with that. Robbing the cradle, ain't nothing wrong with robbing the cradle. If that's what, you know, if that's your thing, whatever. You in love, I ain't got no problem with it. But he had money. She was broke, busted, and disgusted. And all she saw when she saw him was dollar signs. So I'm counseling them, you know, and I'm feeling, I'm 21. I ain't been married six months. Like, I know how to tell somebody they ought to be getting married. I'll never forget marrying them the day I married him. And I read the, I read the, I've got my little sermon thing up there and I'm reading in all the justice, I'm the justice of the peace and the preacher of the peace and, you know, the families are there. We're all smiling. Everybody's warm and loving. And uh, I get to the point, it's the part in the sermon, it said, for better or for worse, she said, for better. Oh, yes, she did. I said, for richer or for poor? She said, for richer. He looked at me and winked like, it's all right. I'm thinking, fool, I would leave her standing at this altar. She said, for richer? I said, for poor. She said, for richer? Okay, moving right along. Do you take this man? And y'all, in six weeks, she took him for everything he had. You say, Pastor, why are you telling this story? Don't be desperate. You know what he told me before they got married? I'm 31 years old. I ain't getting no younger. No, and you sure ain't got to get any stupider. Just, Just stay at that level of ignorance you're at right now. Don't take another leap. Okay, so let me move on. Look at somebody, tell them, neighbor. If you're looking for a spouse, now I know most of you ain't, but just talk to your neighbor like they were. Say, if you're looking for a spouse, don't be desperate. Okay, so let's keep going. So today, here's what I want you to do. I I, I don't want you to be blind and oblivious because of your desperation for relationships, be it friendship. This applies to business, partnerships, friendships, companionship, spouse, Whatever, don't be desperate and become blind and oblivious and ignore the radar going on on the inside of you. It's not that the radar isn't working, it's that your emotions are keeping you from hearing the Spirit of God speak to you and give you a proper warning. So what do we need to do? Number one, if you're taking notes, write it down for relationships. Number one, we need to take inventory. Everybody say, take inventory. I want you to take inventory of the relationships in your life, from your marriage to your friends. 
people you hang with, people you run with, people, you know, your boys, your, your sisters, whatever it is, I want you to take inventory. We need to take relationship inventory of our lives today. What is happening? Let me ask you this question. What is happening in the area of your relationships? Now, every relationship you are in will, will or ever will be in have the same, same components. So I don't care what relationship you're talking about. Every relationship you are in or will ever be in have the same components. And the questions must be asked. What are they contributing to the relationship and what are they taking from the relationship? Okay, so every relationship has a give and a take. Okay, every person that you're thinking about, your spouse, your, your fishing partner, come on, your, your croquet sister, crochet, not croquet, sorry, crochet sister, all of your friends, your boyfriend, girlfriend, fling, whatever, all of them have to be asked a question, what are they giving or what are they taking from you? Okay? The moment, the moment they habitually and predictably withdraw and demand from you without ever giving back, encouraging, investing, or contributing back into the relationship, taking notes, write down this, they have become a leech. Okay, so I'm going to talk about three L's. Leeches, losers, and liars. Because some of you need to have an inventory of your relationships and purge some people who you think are your friends. The first are leeches. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm ashamed to admit to you, I was captivated by studying leeches this week. In fact, Devin called me yesterday. She's like, you, I'm, I'm at the office praying and studying. And she's like, you want to go to dinner? We're going to go to dinner. I'm like, you will never believe this about leeches. <laughs> she's like, what? Like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, no, no, hold on. This is a revelation. <laughs> Somebody say leeches. Look at Proverbs chapter 30. Y'all got to see this thing. It is in the word of God. Proverbs 30, verse 10. Gary Keelan is the only person who knows this verse in the Bible. <laughs> and he probably knows it. <laughs> oh, I can tell you some stories right there, but I'll go on. Never mind. Okay, Proverbs 30, verse 15. The horse leech has two daughters. Give and give. That's not me. That's the word of the Lord. Can you put that up there so they see it? Proverbs 30, verse 15, the leech has two daughters. Give and give. Here's what a leech does. A leech has, depending on the species, between three and nine mouths. Millions of teeth. This is crazy. 32 brain compartments that focus extensively on sucking the life out of something and never letting go. And here's what's crazy. I'm telling you, it's revelation. When a leech latches on to you or me, it releases an anesthetic through its saliva that deadens the nerves and keeps you from knowing it has attached itself to you. Bye. See y'all Wednesday. That's all I came to say right there. That's it. I ain't got nothing else for you. 
a leech will latch onto you and begin to suck the very life out of you. And the thing is, you didn't even know it bit you. And the only way to know that something got a hold of you is that you start feeling weak. I'm going to teach this thing. Because some people in this room have become a leech-infested child of God. And it really comes out of guilt. It's what the Lord was showing me. You feel guilty because of mistakes you made in your past and you think everyone is supposed to have permission to take, take, take. And I'm going to tell you about a leech. A leech, all she hollers, she has two daughters. And the names of those daughters are give and give. Give me more. 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 Mama, give me more. Daddy, give me more. That's okay when you're seven years old, but you're 39 years old. And you're still saying give, give, give. You're a leech. I ain't getting no help in here today. You're in a relationship and you buy him cards and buy him chocolates and buy him things. And you give, and you're trying to just say, I love you. And every time you start taking inventory like I've asked you to today, you can't think of a card, a chocolate, a flower. You can't think of a dress or anything he's done for you. And it ain't just about money. Sometimes you give out words of kindness and words of encouragement, but he never says anything back to you. That's a leech. The problem is if you're married, you can't run from it. You've got to pray till God changes it. If you're in a relationship that, like that right now and you haven't gotten married, don't. Because the continual give, give, give and never reciprocate, 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 it will absolutely drain the life out of you. Leeches, give me, give me, give me. They never have enough. Do you have any friends that when, they, that when they get through, when they get through pulling on you, you feel like you need revival? You're like, my God. Come to church like this. What's wrong? Leech here. Leech here. Praise the Lord. I can't. I got these leeches on me. I'm just trying to get these leeches off. Sucking the life out of you. Horse leech has two daughters. Give and give. All people. Listen. People who want to be in your life but never want to pour back into your life, you've got to learn how to gently, quietly, and humbly step aside. And this, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not going to get any love mail over this one. But for some reason, leeches abound in the kingdom of God. I'm letting this sink in. Be careful. Number one, that you don't let leeches attach to you. Be careful, number two, that you don't become a leech. You always, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. That's what leeches' daughters say. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I need. At some point, be sufficient. At some point, support people. At some point, support the work of the kingdom. At some point, stop saying, give me, give me, give me, and start saying, you know what? I'm going to be a contributor in this relationship. Is that all right? Everybody understand my heart on that? If you like the feeling of people needing you, you are most susceptible to leeches. Because what you will find yourself is surrounded by people who suck the life out of you and never give it back. Look at somebody and say, that ends today. Some of you have been attacked by a leech and you don't even know it. 
But I've come to tell you today, you're weak. You're not built up. See, the Bible's very clear that when you get in the right kind of relationships, the right kind of Christian relationships, they edify you and build you up. There is nothing wrong with feeling encouraged after you leave a meeting. Have you ever been around people when you leave them, you're like, man, I feel better that I, now that I've been in touch with them today. What is that? That person invested something into your heart. Doesn't have to be money, but it could have been something financial. It could have been just words. So make an investment into people. Don't always make a withdrawal on people. In your marriage relationship, listen to me. Stop waiting on the other person to demonstrate love before you show it back. If both of you will do that, both of you will be happier than you've ever been. If you're always taking from your spouse, receiving from your spouse, requiring deposits from your spouse, but you're never giving back, they're probably hacked off. The reality of it is the heart of Jesus is that we be givers. You know, there's a book about five love languages, and we talk about it sometimes when we go through marriage counseling. Uh, and I don't remember them all, but I know it's words of kindness and time spent together and uh, affirmation and gifts and quality time. And somebody asked me, what is my love language? All of them. I like it when she gives me gifts. I like it when I spend time with her. I like it when she says things to me. I like it when we touch. I like all those love languages. But the reality of it is, you can only pour out so much love without receiving something back. It's just part of your makeup, your chemistry. You have to not only give out, but you've got to receive love back. How many want your spouse to be excited, even 30 years after marriage, that she or he still have you? Well, invest in them. Amen. All right, let's move on. Because I got some more things to tick you off with. Okay, look at <laughs> leeches number two, liars. This doesn't need a deep explanation. People who do not tell the truth drain you. Why? Why do people who do not tell you the truth drain you? When you know someone is not telling you the truth, it absolutely causes mistrust to arise in your heart and you spend a lot of your emotional energy and time trying to determine, is this person legitimate? Are they telling me the truth or not? And you never really come to a place of trust and that wears you out and you distance yourself from that person. Listen, Satan is the father of all liars. Why are you trying to date somebody whose daddy is Satan? I got like one amen and three people about to pass out, two leaving the church over that. But if Satan is the father of all liars, why are you dating somebody who has Satan? Why are you dating someone who has Satan for a daddy? Can we not just expect people to tell the truth? Listen, tell the truth. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, tell the truth. You say, Pastor, it's just a little white lie. No, it's not a little white lie. Little foxes spoil the vine. Amen. And what I have found out is if you would lie over little things, you're probably dishonest about bigger things. Go ahead. Some of us today need to fall in love with the truth again. Do you know why Satan could never touch Jesus? The Bible's very clear. He could find no place in Jesus. That means there was no deceptive guile in Christ anywhere. When Satan come to try to destroy his life by tempting him to sin, Satan could not find a place in Jesus where he could attach deception to. May I suggest to you today that you and I have a responsibility not just to hate deception but to love the truth. If you fall in love with the truth, then when deception tries to come and find place in you, if your life is full, come on, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. 
Ain't nobody got time for liars. So some of us today need to get delivered from the spirit of deception and lies. And others of us today need to purge our friendship list of people who keep lying to us. Leeches, liars, and then number three, losers. Oh, God. If I didn't tick you off with the first two, the third is surely to offend all. Everybody say losers. Now, leeches are takers. Losers are givers, but they're given the wrong stuff. They're given negativity. Come on. They're given bad reports. You know who some losers are in the Bible? The losers in the Bible are in Numbers 13. When 12 spies go into the land and see the land flowing with milk and honey, and like, y'all, you're not going to believe the size of these grapes and this milk and honey and waterfalls and lush green vegetation, and God is getting ready to hook us up. And 10 of the 12 are like, no, there's some giants in the land. And the giants are bigger than we are, and they're going to defeat us, and they're going to destroy us, and we're going to die. And we can't overtake them because we're not big enough. And Caleb and Joshua are standing there like, what are you talking about? See, losers are people who will try to destroy your life, keeping you from believing the good thing God has in store for you in your future. I'm telling you right now, there are people who you keep near you, and it is a mystery to me why you want them so close to you, because the only joy they get is seeing you stay where you are. Losers lose, and they want you to lose too. Let me read you some scriptures on this. Proverbs 18.24. Can y'all handle some Bible on this? Proverbs 18.24. Come on, family. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Be not deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Well, Brother Wallace, you know, I, all, all my friends, I just, I just am led by them because I really love them and I'm trying to win them. Now, I want to say to you, and I do want to clarify, and I, I, I do want to, to, to establish this. I do believe you ought to have some people in your life that you are influencing toward Christ. Because sometimes we sanitize our relationship life so much that we're not any good at all to lost people. <laughs> Look at these people getting all offended, religious people. Uh, I don't receive that. All my friends speak in tongues. That's part of your problem. You need some friends that need Jesus. Jesus did not just hang out with Pharisees. Y'all not saying anything in here today. He did not just hang out with people at the temple. In fact, Jesus was connected. Harlots, tax collectors. People that know. See, I, I feel something when I say that. I feel this religious thing rising up. It's because we have more confidence in their darkness making us dark than we have in the light in us making them in the light. But if you really know Jesus and are full of the Holy Ghost, I don't think you having your neighbors over to your house for a hot dog talking about the goodness of God is going to cause you to backslide. If it does, you better run to the altar right now. If you and I, the light, don't get turned on in the darkness, how will the darkness ever see? Amen. 
there's a balance here. You love the world, but you do not partake of the world. For God so loved the Thank you for giving me the Bible. Because people say, I ain't going to be worldly. I ain't asking you to be. I'm asking you to love people trapped in the world. And we so sanitize our lives from people who need the love of Jesus. I got neighbors. Crazy neighbors. I'm not talking about the ones just right on my, I'm talking about people who live around. They're just full of crazy. I love getting in the middle and talking to them. Every now and then, they forget I'm a preacher and just start saying bad words. And then it's like, oh, preacher's here. You know what causes them to talk to me more? When they say a bad word, I don't go, oh, my God, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down. Oh, God, cleanse my ears. Nope, that's not what I do. I just stand there and look at them. I'm like, man, are you serious? That was a good hamburger, wasn't it? Praise God. See, the problem with some of us is we want them to be saved. We just don't want to be the one to lead them to Jesus. Say amen. I'm telling you, you need to stop being afraid of the darkness in them and start trusting the light in you. That's why people want to know you. It ain't because of your bank account and how good you dress. There is something on your life they want. And what that is is the presence of Jesus. Go make some friends and win disciples. Now, that don't mean I got to run to a bar so that I can relate. I don't want to go to a bar to relate. But I tell you what it means when they start talking about the bar, I don't get intimidated. Bad company ruins good morals. What does that mean? That means if the only people you're connected to are leeches and losers and liars. Your life is just not as whole as God wants it to be. Luke, oh, this, if you are taking notes, I'm getting ready to set somebody free right here. Losers often want you to work on their problems harder than they do. So the question is, why am I working harder on your problem than you are? I thought that would get a little bit more like, yeah, that's good, Pastor. No, 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 don't do it now. It's weird. <laughs> I'm going to say it one more time, so make sure you caught it. Why am I working harder on your problem than you are. Y'all are a mess. I love y'all though. Watch. You and I have a decision to make. Are we going to spend our whole life fixing people's problems? So, We love every chance we get to be able to help people at this church. We help a lot of people. But we have people who come up and say things like this. My light bill is due at 6 a.m. tomorrow. And if you don't pay the bill, they're turning my lights off. 
Oh, I'm getting ready. Well, there's a problem with that. First of all, we don't write checks on Sunday. Secondly, why are you telling me six hours before? This is too heavy, isn't it? But the problem is you want me to work on your problem harder than you have. Work on it. I'm in a mood to walk now. I'm going to have to walk around on this one. You should never dislike or hate people who don't work as hard on something as you expect them to. And if you take inventory on it, you haven't worked as hard as you should have worked on that problem. And yet you are mad at people who aren't pulling all their strings and sacrificing their time, their resources, and everything else to make your dreams come true. Work on it. I promise you, we help people who want to work on things. But when people just walk up and, this past week, can I get it off my chest? Is it okay? I'm on TV. The whole world's watching. Bless you. Watch. (laughs) I mean that. Bless everybody. This past week, I let out the most innocent, pure-hearted tweet I've ever let out in my life. All I said, I meant what I said. If y'all need a place to put the babies, we got a dorm down here. While y'all get all that mess worked out in Washington, bring the babies on to Chattanooga. I meant what I said. Do you know how many people? Well, first of all, I walk out of a staff meeting on Wednesday into my parking lot in my truck, and they're setting up the camera to video me. What y'all doing? (laughs) And I had on a T-shirt, a a vintage polo T-shirt. I look like something to step straight out of a Jimmy Buffett restaurant. I mean, we just come out of staff meeting. I got on blue jeans, flip-flops, and an old beat-up polo T-shirt. And they're like, we need a, we need a comment. I'm like, if this is going to happen, I'm going to put on another shirt because, girl, I don't get on TV looking like this. <laughs> if I'm going to get on TV, I'm going to look. You better know right now I represent the RTTN family. So all I said, let's bring the babies down here. We'll, we'll feed them. We'll love them. We'll take care of them. I did not make a political statement at all. You don't want me to. Because I got, sure enough, I got enough thoughts on it to share with the whole world. But that ain't what I'm called to do. I'm called to demonstrate the love of Jesus. Watch. I'm talking about people who don't work on their problems. All I said was bring them on. We'll take care of them. Pastor, how do you know we can take care of them? I just felt like we could. I spoke for you. <laughs> Believing in advance that something happens, y'all gonna come through. <laughs> Watch. You would be amazed at the people who started attacking the church. Why don't you help people who are hungry? Why don't you help them people who need help down in Chattanooga? Why you gotta help people down at the border? So I says, since you care. We do feed hungry people. In fact, last year we fed 26,000 pounds of food to hungry people. And since you care, 
We did take care of 1,700 kids at Christmas time last year for the glory of God. And since you care, we did feed 650 families at Thanksgiving with a box that they couldn't hardly carry to their car. And since you care, we do rescue girls from human trafficking and help them find new life. And since you care, See, here's the problem. People want us to work harder on their problems than they're working themselves. Freedom reigns in this place. We're going to help people. Do you understand? For the rest of our lives, this house will be known in this city for helping people. But I can't work harder on your problem than you're working on it. And if you'll work on it, we'll help you. Help me, Brian. We want to help people. So in the future, we do want to expand how we're helping and help people learn English as a second language. And help people who didn't get a GED get a GED. And we want to help people who trying to get a job learn how to have a job interview. And we want to help single parent mothers. And we want to continue to be a voice of hope and healing for the racial division in our nation right here in Chattanooga. That's what we want to be. We want the family to continue to expand and the diversity and the blessing of God just to continue to rest upon the house. We're going to do that. But we can't work harder on your problem than you do. You work and God's going to send you the resources and the help to get the job done. And I'm not talking, when I say work, I'm not beating people down and saying, I'm talking about getting a job. I'm talking about have a plan. And don't get bitter and hurt when you see other people being blessed. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. Happy. Happy keys. I don't need, I don't, yeah, happy keys. Just trust me. So watch, watch. Take inventory today. Leeches, liars, and losers. What am I going to do, Pastor, if my life is full of leeches, liars, and losers? Well, when you take inventory and you find that, the first thing you got to do, watch. How many ever been on an airplane? You, you, you ever been on an airplane? I, it disturbs me sometimes getting on an airplane. You go to a terminal. They say, go to the terminal. Your plane is waiting on you. I don't want to go to the terminal. I don't want nothing to terminate. Why can't we call it like a launching pad? Why does it have to be a terminal? But then you get on the plane, and they say, in, in the unlikely case of an emergency, an oxygen mask will fall down from the ceiling. Put your oxygen mask on first and then help those who need assistance or your children. Now watch. Why would I put oxygen on me first? Because they know something about me. If I don't take care of myself, I can't help you. Some of you need to put oxygen on your own life and bless your own life and take care of your own. You say, Pastor, this sounds so selfish. No, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as you do 
How can you properly love your neighbor if you don't properly love yourself? How can you give, how can you put somebody's oxygen mask on somebody else if you're over here hyperventilating because you got 37 leeches attached to you and you're strolling up in church? You got victory. No, I feel like I'm going through hell. I need somebody to lay hands on me right now. Here's the deal. Put the oxygen mask on yourself today. Start saying, you know what? If I don't value my life and the life God gave me, how can I ever be what God's called me to be to other people? If you're always beat up and beat down and tore up and depleted and deficient, that is not the will of God for your life. Is this helping anybody today? So number one, put the oxygen mask on yourself. Do not feel guilty taking care of yourself. You ought to read books for yourself. I'm getting ready to blow somebody's mind right here. Do things you enjoy. I'm not saying every day of your life you get to always do everything you enjoy all day long. That's called hedonism. But you ought to take time to do things you enjoy. Put the oxygen mask on yourself. The second thing, so if we're talking about what to do if we're in bad relationships. Number one, address yourself. Get life and joy back in yourself. Spend time with God. Read books. Do what, you do, do what you do and you like to do and you enjoy doing and let God bless you in that. The second thing is there are some relationships, I don't know how else to say it, Dave, except say it like this. You got to let it go. Amen. You got to let it go. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about marriage. And I felt very strongly the Lord showed, reminded me this morning in prayer. He said, you got to tell some of these people that are married, the answer is not divorce. What are we going to put on the line as the reason why? Irreconcilable differences, otherwise known as pride. People who jump out of a commitment and covenant like that simply because they can't reconcile their differences, I'm telling you, family, God remembers the covenant we made at the altar. And we should remember it too. Now, if you're a divorcee in this house today, we don't say that to your shame because we know that divorce is a very rampant issue and a problem, not only in the world, but in the church. So I'm not saying that to shame anyone. In fact, I declare over you there's life after divorce. Okay? There is life after divorce. But I want to tell you this. There are many other choices other than divorce. However, if you're in a relationship that is not your marriage, some of those things that are toxic and just caustic and damaging to you, you've got to let them go. And the way you let them go is important. Because how many has ever seen a Christian trying to get free from a bad relationship and they turn into something they should have never tried to turn into? I mean, like, you're like, I'm going to separate, but I'm going to go to one final lunch with them and let them know how I feel. Don't. Have you ever, <laughs> Christians with good intentions but really, really, really bad planning? So I'm going to disconnect from that, but I'm going to tell her a piece of my mind before we break this friendship up. Please, just shh, back away. Be humble. You don't have to get on Facebook and tell everybody. 
Y'all don't want me to start on this. Never before has there been such a megaphone given to the hands of immature people than Facebook. I'm going to leave it right there. Be, be, listen, be mature when, you've, when you let people down and back away. Now I'm saying there are some people you have to separate from. It happened in the scriptures. There was a time in John 13 where John Mark couldn't handle the travel and went back home and Paul let him. You got to let some things go. You got to ask yourself a question. Am I willing to spend the rest of my life and the energy that I have relationally investing in a relationship that yields so little in return to me? You say, Pastor, I'm desperate for friends. I got to keep the ones I got. Well, listen, you have to ask yourself the question, what are you desperate for, friends or for this ongoing maintenance contract you call friendship that's causing you to stay up late, wake up early, and every time you leave, you feel depressed and defeated and deflated? Why do you feel that way? Because they are leeches. They are pulling out of you more than they're investing into you. I'm not saying that there aren't relationships in your life and in my life where we invest more. I am telling you this, that if they never reciprocate, and it's always, give me, give me, give me. The horse leech has two daughters. Give, 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 give. Amen. You got to make up your mind if you can keep living that way. I'm, I imagine your family would say probably you can't keep living that way because they're miserable with you. So today, let's make a decision. Number one, we're going to put the oxygen mask on our relationship with God, and we're going to Pay attention to our own health and well-being. Before you help others, make sure you're whole and taking in oxygen yourself. Secondly, let some things go. Some of you know today while I'm teaching and preaching, there are relationships in your life that have become damaging and threatening and a hindrance to your progress in God. Let it go. I'm not talking about making a scene. I'm not talking about like giving them a final coup d'etat. You know, like, I've been over you for a long time anyway. No, nothing like that. Just back away. The last and final thing that I'm through is you really need to make prayer a matter of your relationships. Amen. Devin has taught me this so many times. She hates when I do this. <laughs> I believe the best in everybody. And I don't say that to my, like, I believe the best in everybody. That's a horrible thing sometimes. Sometimes it's a great thing. Sometimes it's a horrible thing. Because sometimes there are people who have agendas and motives. And if you believe the best in them but are not cognizant of the propensity of people, they would take advantage of your kindness. Sometimes God is not asking or requiring you to make investments in people. It's a witness. I need it. Thank you, Jesus. It's so good for you to give me that. Amen. It's just, I'm talking about the kids screaming. It's, it, it's just that sometimes you and I have to decide. These people say they want me, but the question is, why do they want to be in relationship with me? You know what I found out over the last year that is as damaging as people who say negative things to you is people who flatter you. Flattery is as dangerous as negative words. People who are, ooh, 
people who are oblivious and blind to your failures and won't love you and lead you in the midst of knowing you're a person that has flaws and failures. And how many know we all have flaws? Okay. It's like, I don't know if I do or not. Yes, you do. Let me help you, okay? <laughs> we all do. A person who's blind and oblivious to those and will tell you what you want to hear is not your friend. Flatter, flattery will harm you as much as discouraging words. Amen. Why? Because flattery will cause you to believe a press report about yourself that is not true or real. So I'm done. But I really believe today God wants to free from some people from leeches. And you just need to say, you know what? It's not a sin for me to put my oxygen mask on me first and take care of my spiritual life first and get whole and healthy first so that I can then be a blessing to other people. If you needed this, stand with me today. First thing I want to do is call sinners to the altar for prayer. And I know that I didn't preach a salvation altar call, but I'm going to tell you this scripture. If you'll just give me three more minutes right here, and I know that the fit team has to go, but everybody else, if you'll just hang with me for three more minutes. That scripture I read to you, that unreliable friends will bring you to ruin, that's the first part of Proverbs 18.34, but the last part said, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. How many know him? How many know Jesus today? There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So today I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray for two groups of people. And the first group of people I want to pray for, pray for today, pray with today, are people who would say to me, Pastor Kevin, I need Christ to come into my heart and save me. I need Jesus to wash me of my sins, and I need him to make me whole today. I'm a sinner. I've got some stuff in my life that, that I need God to clean out. And I'm asking the Lord to forgive me of my sins. I want him to make me whole today. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. And he came and did something for you that you could never do for yourself, sir, ma'am. He came to die in your place so that you could have eternal life. The only thing he ever required us to do was put faith in what he's already done. If you're in this room today, you would say, Pastor Kevin, would you please pray for me? I need to give my heart to Jesus. If that is you, I want you, when I say three, to lift your hand in the air and say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I want to give my heart to the Lord. One, two, three, right now. Lift your hand if that's you. Thank you. I see your hands. God bless you. I see your hands. God bless you. I see your hands. Everyone can put your hands down. Everyone look at me right here. It's the most important thing we will do all day long is give an invitation for people to come to Christ. So I want you to look at the person on your right and your left. You don't know who lifted their hand and didn't. The person standing on your right and left, you may have known them your whole life or you may have never met them before today. But if you need Jesus to save you and you lifted your hand or you know you should have, in just a moment, your neighbor is going to ask you one simple question. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, I'm going to stand right here and wait for you. And in this very big room with a whole lot of people, we're going to pray a prayer. Christ is going to answer it and save you today. Would you please ask your neighbor right now, do you need someone to go pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, would you just come out of your seat? I'm waiting on you right here. And today Christ is going to save you. Anyone at all, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Ask the person, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, young lady, young man. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming, sweetheart. Come on. I want to give my heart to Christ today. Thank you for coming back there. It's a good day to come to Jesus. Thank you for coming right there. They're coming. Come on. It's a good day. It's a good day. Come on. He's a good God. Bless you, sweetie. 
Bless you, family. It's great to, great to see you in this altar. Come, sweetheart. They're still coming. My God. Come on. We give God praise for this. We love you, Lord. Thank you for coming. Pastors and leaders, I'm going to ask you to come help me pray right now. I want everyone to stretch your hands toward this altar, please, right now. Everyone stretch your hands toward our new brothers and sisters. These are our family. We're going to pray for them like we wish somebody would have prayed for us the day we came to the altar and gave our heart to Christ. So I want prayer warriors to make sure they know what they're saying. Every one of them. Come here, elders, right here, right here, right here, right here. Everyone stretching their hands this way, praying over these brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just pray for a few moments right here. We're going to make sure they know what's going on. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. church let's sing it one more time together at the cross and the burden I received my sight let's thank him for it as we sing it one last time while they're praying come on Real soft, at the cross, everyone. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. It was there by faith. I received my sight. If you needed this message today and you need God to touch relationships and touch your life in the area of relationships, could you unashamedly just lift your hands to God this morning? And can we pray now that the Lord God would grant us wisdom and grace? I really believe today God wants to help some people who have some relationships they don't know how to deal with. And today God's going to give grace for marriages, grace for friendships, grace for business partnerships. But I think he wants us to come to him, leaning on him today. So if we could do that all over this house together right now. If you needed this today, would you just lift your hands as I pray over you? And would you, would you by faith just receive the wisdom and grace that God wants to give today for relationships? Lord, I thank you for these mighty men and women of God. And today, Lord, we lift our hands to you, recognizing that those who lack wisdom can ask God for it. And your word promises, oh God, that if we ask you for wisdom, you'll give it to us. Today, God, I pray for wisdom to be just poured into the hearts of these men and women of God, the leaders and men and women of God of this house. Lord, give us discernment. Let the radar of relationships and associations, Father, I just pray it'll come to life, Lord, that we'll be able to know what it is you're leading us to in relationships. Father, give us the grace to let go of things that are harmful to us things that are hurting us, God, I pray in the name of the Lord that you will give us strength to overcome and strength to do the right thing today. Bless the people of God as they leave today. I pray the grace of God upon their lives, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to watch over them this week. 
Give them leadership. Order their steps. Guide them, Lord God, and give them direction. We bless you for all these things and so much more. In Jesus' name. And if you believe God's going to help you in the area of relationships, let's give him praise right now all over this house. Come on, let's thank him in advance for what he's going to do. Listen, we love you. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. If you're a brother wanting to go bowling and fellowship, that's Tuesday at 6.30 at Pinstrikes. Go in the peace of God this morning.